0: I want to review the passage that Brother Rich just read to us not too long ago. I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but I remember when I was in Christian school, we, Isaiah 40.31 was our school verse. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I just remember reading that passage thinking about myself thinking about my power, thinking about, hey, I'm a Christian. I am powerful. When we just read, this is the important thing about context, we just read several verses in chapter 40 leading up to that talking about how little people are and how big God is. And even before that, we didn't read this part, he's talking about how the nations are a drop in a bucket, like dust on a scale, nothing. People... We are so weak, and that's okay. You know, I tell my daughter, she was just up here, the, the girl, obviously. <laughs> um, she's a little bit bossy for her age, I suppose. <laughs> um, she likes to be older than she really is, and sometimes me and Kristen constantly remind her, it's okay to be a kid. <laughs> It's okay to not take upon yourself the burden of adulthood and being in charge, being responsible for all these things that you're not supposed to be responsible for at this time in your life. Stop trying to be in control. Just be a kid. It's okay. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves it's okay to be a d- the dust on the scale. It's okay for us to be a drop in the bucket. It's okay for us to be weak. You know, and this reminds me of a song that goes something like, I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head. It's just, uh, I just heard it not too long ago. Um, But it it says, um, now my soul is soaring um, far beyond the mountains high, but it's not that I am stronger. Look at my feeble wings, but I've been lifted higher. Yahweh has lifted me with his own strength. And it just reminds us that it doesn't matter what we accomplish, what we learn, what skills we learn. We need to remember who we are and remember who God is. That I am not the strong one. God's the strong one who lifts us up. That's why it says, but they who wait on the Lord, how much effort goes into waiting? How much skill does it take to wait? How much of it, how much of the accomplishments is credited to your account because you're the one just waiting we, Those who wait on the Lord renew their strength. Those who wait on the Lord mount up with wings like eagles. Those who wait on the Lord run and do not become weary. Those who wait on the Lord walk and not faint. It's okay to be human. It's okay to give God his place. We need to recognize who we are. And as and this is actually, it does have a lot to do with what we'll be talking about today in Matthew chapter 10. If you want to join me there in Matthew chapter 10, we've been talking about this passage where Jesus is sending his disciples out, sending them out in his strength, sending them out in his authority to go and do the will of Christ. To go into the towns and villages, proclaiming the kingdom of heaven, working signs and wonders and all sorts of miracles, doing the things that Jesus was doing. He is now giving this power to His disciples to go out and reap a harvest. Sending them out in His name. And let's back up a second here to Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. And he says to to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the. Well, let's go back. 36. "When When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, With that in mind, with the heart of Christ engaged, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest let us pray Lord I thank you that you have not left us alone that you have sent us the spirit the spirit of power the spirit of Christ to work within us all that is within your infinite ability according to your will and Lord may we always look to you rather than ourselves, regardless of what it is, regardless of what strengths that we believe we have, may we always look to You, our Lord, to do Your effectual work. For we are flesh. We are carnal creatures born of the dust. Yet You bring us in and give us new birth by Your Spirit but it is that Spirit that gives us strength. God, help us to walk in the Spirit as the sons of God. Let us in the Spirit understand what You have for us today in Your Scriptures. May You humble us before Your Word. May Your Word be our guide. May Your Word be our strength. And let us give attention to it is that which is coming from our master to his servants. May we be okay being your servants. May we be humble to let it be enough to be your servants, to do as you bid with the resources that you provide. I pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Jesus had compassion on the people. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We talked about this a a little while ago. We've been going through the book of Matthew. and We've already actually gone through this passage, but I am backing up a little bit today to lay some groundwork, to lay some context, both for those who have not been here uh, for the last several weeks, but also to remind us where this is all coming from, where Jesus' commission to His disciples is coming from. And as I read this, I'm reminded of a story Um, I didn't cross this with Kristen before I... (laughs) am But we took our kids to our local pool over at Forest Park the other day. And there's, you know, lots of people there. It's hot and everybody's in the pool. Well, we were over by the kiddie pool with our our youngest ones. And we were kind of chit-chatting a little bit with some other um, parents um, that were with their children in the kiddie pool section. And there's this one... She's just, with her three-year-old daughter, just calling her names, you devil child, you evil thing, you know, just constantly down-talking, bad-mouthing, discouraging words on this child, and she wasn't even doing anything, just running around having fun at the pool. And ever since then, it just won't, Kristen is always bringing it up you know, I wish I could just adopt that child because she has a parent who is verbally abusing her. She has no real shepherd in her life. She has nobody who really loves her more than themselves. She is an annoyance and a distraction from her parents' life wish we could just take her under our wing. And it just reminds me of this compassion of Jesus. He looked out at these people and he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I mean, just put yourself in Christ's position and just imagine, if you would, if you had a compassionate heart just looking at people who are lost. Like they have no idea what they're supposed to be doing, where they're supposed to be going, what they're supposed to believe, whether they know it or not. (laughs) And Jesus is just gripped with pity for these people when he just saw them. He was just looking at them. He was just observing them. Maybe he's sitting on a hill somewhere, just looking out on these people. Just coming to, you know, he's just, it's almost like a shepherd, really like a situation where there's a shepherd with his flock of sheep, just kind of walking around. And he sees this horde of people just kind of walking around, kind of being by Jesus to see what's going to happen next. Because Jesus has been doing some amazing things. And he's looking out at these people, and they're just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking for, but I know Jesus has something different than we've seen all up until now. For, for several hundred years, for centuries, there's been no prophet really in John the Baptist. Um, but there hasn't really been a whole lot coming from on high. But Jesus is doing something radical, and I, we kind of want to be around to see what's going to happen next. They didn't all really know that he was the Messiah, they were like sheep didn't know which way they were supposed to go. But they knew that Jesus had something. So they were just kind of wandering and kind of following Him, seeing what He was going to say or do next. And He tells His disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Look at all these people looking for guidance, looking for some direction. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of harvest and to send out laborers into his harvest. And then we get here to chapter 10, where Jesus is actually sending them out into the harvest. He is commissioning them to go and do the things that he was doing. Now, in last time we talked about this, we, we dealt with a few of these verses um, up until verse um, 7, up it, well, through verse 6 of chapter 10, and we talked about the type of people we should be going to. We talked about how these people that he mentioned were people who really hadn't had these pe- He says, go nowhere among the Gentiles, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of it or anywhere in the Samaritans, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Talking about people who don't really have the, a, a proper foundation for a Messiah. I mean, Jesus was the Messiah, but Gentiles didn't really know anything about the Messiah except for what they heard from the exiles. And the Samaritans had a different view of the Messiah. But he used to start with the people who are ready, have a proper found, who have who are ready to hear the gospel, who are looking for me. Look, I'm the Messiah. These people are following me. They're looking for the Messiah. I am the Messiah. So go to those people that are looking for the Messiah and point them to me. Because I'm here. That's why he's talking, that's why he says, Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The shepherd's here. Hello? Shepherd's here. They're looking for the shepherd, and I'm over here. So get the signs out that point over here to me. Because they're looking for me, they just don't know it's me yet. So tell them that it's me. We talked about that there are some people in this world that simply have no interest, no desire to follow Jesus Christ, but there are some people who are looking. Who are looking for a Savior. Who are looking for redemption. Who are looking for forgiveness, whether they want to admit it or not. Not that we don't go to the other people. Jesus did go to the Gentiles. Jesus did go to the Samaritans. But first, consider who around us is ready. Who is ready to receive a Jesus, a Savior? Who is ready to be forgiven? Is it the people who don't think that they have anything to be forgiven of? No. Not that you don't go to those people. But let's consider where can we start? Who's ready? And then we talked about. Um, well, we actually we're gonna get there today in verse seven, and he says, in Matthew chapter ten, verse seven, proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he's sending them out, telling them who to go to. Okay, you got to get to a destination first. Now here's the message that you're supposed to proclaim. So that's this, this is another rule here. Proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? Because what were, what were the Jews looking for? What did, the pro, what, were, what did the prophesies prophesy? That God would restore the kingdom. Now the people were looking for it one way, which is why most of Judaism still rejects Jesus, because they were, they were looking for the prophecies to fulfill nationalistically, where biblically speaking here in Christ, we have a whole new kingdom with new, with different boundaries than the Jews were really looking for. But he's saying, go and say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Which is another way of saying your Messiah is here. The one who is from the line of David. The king who is coming in the line of David is here to get back on the throne of God's people. The kingdom of heaven is here. Because Jesus is here. Your shepherd is here. Your king is here. There he is. He's over there. His name's Jesus. Go proclaim this message. And here I'm going to, let's step back a little bit and talk about this proclaiming. Look at Mark chapter 16 with me, if you would. Mark chapter 16, the very end of the book. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. Jesus says, and he said to him, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Okay, so that's the good news. Break that down. That's the news, the news of what? Well, kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is good news for you. Um, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, try to be Jesus again in this situation when He's saying this. Go into all the world. Remember, the, the world is big. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Go, You, you disciples, my followers, go into the world and proclaim the Gospel To the whole creation. And you can kind of see his excitement behind this in verse 16. Why am I sending you out into the world to proclaim the gospel? Because whoever believes it and is baptized will be saved. You can see the joy in that ringing through the scriptures. Go tell them, because whoever believes it is going to be saved. They need to hear it so that they can believe it and be saved. That's why you're going. You're not going to build a ministry. You're not going to earn a paycheck in the ministry. You're not going to make something of yourselves. You're not going to make yourself feel better about your life like you're doing something that's worthwhile. You're going out there because whoever believes this message is going to be saved. (laughs) But whoever does not believe will be condemned. See the fire under the mess. The fire under it. If you don't believe this, you will be condemned. Believe it so you can be saved. You can see it just, I mean, unless you're trying to really connect with Jesus here, it just looks like red words on the page. It's read in my Bible anyway. Um, but when you really try to see where Jesus' heart is hardest remembering who Jesus is, okay? He's not just somebody who said some things and did some things. He's a person, he's God, he has emotion, he has passion, he has desire. And these are his leaving words. They're not his dying words. He's already died and rose again. These are his parting words to his people. These are important. These proclaim the passion of the Christ. Go proclaim, because whoever believes them will be saved. Whoever does not believe them will be condemned. So go and tell them about the gospel. In all hopes that these people will believe it. And be saved. This is why he is sending these disciples into the tribes of Israel because he's the answer to everything that they've been looking for. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5.17 through 21, we'll look at. Here, Paul says to the Corinthian church, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And here, the language here is talking about how the new creation has started to come in you. When you are in Christ, the new creation has begun its transformation, and it started with you and your heart and your life. The new creation has come. It's coming upon the world through you. He says, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. It's not all. All this is not from your ministry. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Okay. So there's the foundation. Christ has reconciled us to himself. He has brought us back into a right standing before the Father by his blood. And in that same event, given us the ministry of reconciliation. Do we reconcile the world to God? No, we're pointing people to the reconciler of the world. He has given us this ministry of reconciliation. He points this out some more further. Verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself. Okay, So you are a portal of God's power. Remember Isaiah 40.31? Those who wait on the Lord. Right? The nations are dropping the bucket. God is the one who has been forming the mountains and the whole creation. Those who wait on the Lord receive His strength to go and do His bidding. His Bidding his strength, the will and to do of his good pleasure. Christ in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. What is this? What's part of that? Not counting their trespasses against them. That's a funny phrase. Their trespasses against them. Okay. some of us think that forgiveness is poof. Your sins are gone. No more to be seen. But this isn't saying that. He's saying that he's not counting your trespasses, the trespasses that belong to you, against you. Because Christ was punished for them already, so you no longer need to be punished for them. You've been cleansed of the guilt and the shame. You still did them. They were still wrong. They still were worthy of punishment. Forgiveness does not mean God is just going to overlook your sins for all eternity and not think about them. Forgiveness is Christ was punished for them. So there is no longer any need for double jeopardy. There's no longer any need for them to be counted against anyone ever again because sin deserves punishment. Your sin was punished. You're clean. Not counting your trespasses against you, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Now we have this message to go and proclaim to the world. He's giving that to you and to me. Just like in Matthew, we see he is giving them a message to proclaim. This is part of being a disciple. This is not part of being like a super spiritual, super gifted, you know, pastor, minister, whatever person. This is a disciple. Follower of Jesus, given the ministry of reconciliation, given the ministry of taking this message to other people. Therefore, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. We go in his stead. How? And he says it beautifully here. God making his appeal through us. Isn't that beautiful? God making his appeal through us. God is the one making the appeal to the world. And he's doing it through you and me. That shows us the passion that God has for these people. Because God is appealing to them. God is going out to these people saying, be reconciled to me. It is not you saying it necessarily. You are saying it. But first and foremost, it is God saying it through you. It's his message. It's not your message. It's his message. You've received it. Because he gave it to you through another person. And now you're taking that to other people. God appealing to them. We are showing them the passion of Christ. Not your passion. Your passion is meaningful. But its meaning is pale in comparison to the passion that God has to appeal to the world. He is appealing to the world because He wants the world to know the message of the gospel. He is not some cold, distant God is just kind of like, okay, you guys do the dirty work, like me and Kristen do to our kids. Go clean the kitchen. I don't want to touch it. (laughs) No. God is not afraid of the filth. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's not afraid of the filth. He is in it with us. It's His appeal in the world through you. His appeal, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake. Yeah, it's the glory of God. But you know, in the glory of God, we get to a lot of benefits, don't we? We live for the glory of God, but in the glory of God, we get lots of benefits. He says this, for our sake, he made God the Father, made him God the Son, to be sin. See that? Your trespasses no longer are counted against you because they were counted against Christ. Who knew no sin. He fulfilled the law. He obeyed it to perfection. You Knew no sin. So that in Him, we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Transference. The righteousness that Christ had. We get to be, God sees us as though we kept the whole law. As though we were perfect. This message of God sees us already as people who have kept the law perfectly. In Christ. That's why we point people to Christ. The law is helpful in bringing people to repentance, but only in that we're trying to point people to Jesus Christ. We're not trying to guilt trip people. They're lost in their guilt. We're not trying to guilt trip them into Jesus. We're trying to show them that Jesus took their guilt. We're trying to point people to Him. We need to get off our moral high ground thinking that because we are morally superior than these people, that that somehow makes us better. No. The message is the same for all people. If you are in Christ, you are treated by God as though you kept the law perfectly. So we are all equal in God's eyes. Not to say that we can keep on sinning. That's another message. But we need to see some of the basics of the Gospel here. The message is, in Christ you can be forgiven of your sins, have this transference of Christ's righteousness onto you, So that now you, in God's eyes, are perfect. How can somebody be more perfect than somebody else? Perfect is perfect. How can you have, how can God see you as having kept more of the law than this other person who also, because of the transference of Jesus' righteousness, is perfectly righteous as though they had kept the whole law too? Just because you have more standards and rules doesn't make you more righteous according to the blood of Jesus. That is not what we're transferring to the world. We are transferring to the world. You are righteous in Christ on Christ's behalf, on Christ's account, not your own. You don't have to keep these modern American versions of Christianity in order to be right in God's eyes. Christ himself makes you right in God's eyes. We point people to Christ. Pointing people to a moral plateau stagnates people, deceives people, sends people to hell with false assurance. We, our work, is to point lost sheep to the shepherd who alone leads us to the Father. I'm a pastor. Pastor John's a pastor. Technically, we're shepherds, right? We're supposed to take care of people in Christ's stead. But even though we might be considered shepherds, even a pastor, even a paid, you know, degreed pastor, the best thing that we can ever do is tell them there's a better shepherd that you need to follow. Don't follow my rules and regulations. You know, I might have some of these things to tell you to help us be a family together. But really, all of this is just so that you can look to Jesus. That's it. All we want you to do is look to the real shepherd, the one who was actually slaughtered on your behalf. I wasn't slaughtered on your behalf. Why would you look to me? And then we, well... We really don't have time to get to this next point. But he says, "Proclaim as you go." Okay, so you're going. Back in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, we'll just we're going to wrap up this point and we'll be done for the day. Proclaim as you go. You're going. You're into the world on a mission, being sent by Christ, you're proclaiming as you're going, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. The kingdom of heaven is nigh to you, being brought near to you by the blood of Christ. He has made the first step. Okay? He has come to you. He has introduced himself to you. You do not achieve his grace by coming to him. He comes to you first. You receive his favor. He approaches you. You don't approach him. Because the kingdom of heaven has come to you. Okay? And this is the story from way back when. You can even see it in the Christmas message. How, did the, how, do, how was the Messiah? How did the Messiah come? He came. came to us. How did the wise men know? Because God sent them a star that they followed. And the story just progresses from there. It's always God coming to you. And you simply receive. Those who wait upon the Lord. Right? That's the message of redemption. Those who wait upon the Lord. Talk about Sabbath. Christ is our Sabbath Rest. Rest finding your rest in Christ cease from your works the bible says and thereby find rest in Christ our sabbath it's not about you working and toiling in order to earn the favor of god we must work and toil and that's the message for next time as we get further down here in verse 8 where we're going to talk about things we actually have to do with our hands and in our lives But we have to if we don't start with the pure foundation of a gospel of Sabbath rest and waiting and relying upon the power of God, the approach of God, then serving will throw us all off. You know, the idea of serving is going to mess everything up if we don't start with a pure foundation of Christ's work, not ours. Because if we don't understand that part of the gospel, then the gospel is just gonna get all skewed in our heads, because that's just how we are. We like to work, we do things, practical people, especially here in in, in a farming community where everything is just about you know, work, you know, the, the you know, work hard, be responsible, be respectable, you know, work all day, work all night, work weekends, work Sundays, work Saturdays, work, 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 work. It's all about work. Doing your job, doing it right, doing it well providing for your family, putting food on the table by your work, 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 work. So it's really hard to understand a gospel of waiting and resting in Christ and trusting in Christ because all of our life is just work, work, work. And that's how we can grow up from the point we are children. It's all about working and serving and doing and and being all these types of things. And all that stuff can throw us off if we are not firm in faith first. We walk by faith. We start with faith and then we walk in faith. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. You receive him first according to the gospel of faith, by grace, are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But then we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. But we start with faith, and then we go in faith, with a firm foundation, and actually having a backdrop for why we're working. A proper backdrop for why we're working. That's something we'll talk about next time. Well, let's pray. We'll sing a song. We'll be dismissed out to the uh, the gymnasium. If it's rain, I don't know if it's raining or not. But if it's raining out there, please remember the the valet service that's provided for you. Uh, no tips required, unless you want to give some advice. We'll take advice. Um, so, let's pray. We can be dismissed to the gymnasium. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for such A gospel is this, that the kingdom of God has drawn near to us because of your great love, because of your great grace, because you have come into the world doing something that we could never accomplish for ourselves. I just pray, God, for the humility to see you as the Lord over all, over all. And to stop giving ourselves so much credit. And to find our rest in your Son. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.